0: in the head when somebody says the evangelist cindy bowen (laughs) (laughs) you know we were singing that song this morning show me your glory and that's one of my favorite scriptures uh, places to read in the bible is moses standing up on a mountain and god says I ain't going with them to the promised land. They're driving me crazy. I'm not going, Moses. I'll send you an angel, and you can go on, but I'm not going to go. And Moses says, oh, if you're not going to go, don't send me. If you're not going to go, don't send me. I'd rather be in the desert with God than to be in a promised land without him. And Moses said, the boldest prayer I find in the Bible, show me your glory. <clears throat> show me your way so I can know you. Show me your glory. And God answers and he says, Moses, I can't show you my glory. It's above your pay grade, Moses. You can't see my glory and live to tell about it. And Moses says, But oh, God, just show it to me. And God says, Well, I tell you what, I'm going to give you everything you can stand. You get in that cleft of the rock, and I'm going to walk by, and I'm going to preach myself to you. And I'm going to show you uh, what I can show you, and you can stand. But I want to tell you right now that right now on a glassy sea, Moses is standing gazing on the glory of God. God has answered Moses' prayer. So sometimes I stand in this room on a Thursday night, and I say, God... I know the price. Just show me the glory. Just show me the glory. And the day is coming that he said he went to prepare a place for me. And just between me and you, mansions sound great and golden streets sound great. But I'm looking for a glassy sea and a place where I can gaze on glory. Hallelujah. 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 You know, when the uh, children of Israel were coming out of Egypt and they're crossing over the the desert, and they're moving to the promised land. They camped out around the presence of God. If the presence of God didn't lift and move, the glory didn't lift and move, then the children of Israel didn't move. They only moved when the glory moved. They camped out. Around the presence of God and the reason is they'd never been that way before they didn't know where they were going they had to see where God was leading them and I want to tell you church this past year we've been on a journey together And, and, and you know sometimes it felt like we were sitting still last Easter broke my heart sitting at home on an Easter morning I hadn't done that in 30 years it broke my heart we were on a journey we were on a journey And you know what? Sometimes it felt like we were sitting still and we were afraid. Sometimes it felt like we were hunkering down and waiting for that storm to pass over us, waiting for everything to get back to normal, waiting for the threat of sickness or the accusation of recklessness to leave us. But I want to assure you when the when the Lord calls the church to sit down and wait, it is never because he wants us to be afraid. It's never because he is threatened by what we're facing. When the Lord says, "Sit down. Readjust yourself. Refocus. Come back down and sit down." What he is saying to us is, church, be still and know that I'm God. Church, let go of your agendas. Church, Let go of your rock star concerts where a worship leader in skinny jeans gets up and and, and makes everybody shout with a light show. Get your eyes back on heaven and wait till the glory moves. Church, we got to camp out around the tabernacle. God, God was in that tabernacle. That's why they camped around it. Jesus is the God who came and put on flesh and walked in the dirt with us. He tabernacled among us. We have to camp out around the tabernacle God. We have to move when he moves. We've got to do what he's doing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Church, we've never lived through a global health crisis before. We haven't lived in a culture that was determined to redefine morality and cancel every voice that disagreed with them. We've never lived in a time and in a place before where a government got to decide whether or not the church of Jesus Christ was essential or not. We've never been this way before. We've never been this way before. But I have to tell you that the tabernacle God knows where he's going. The tabernacle God is gonna lead us where we're supposed to be and let me tell you just let me tell you something we're the church of Jesus Christ we don't follow the political pundits or the Facebook prophets with their uh, trendy sayings we don't follow that stuff we follow God, we follow the Lamb we follow the Lamb and He's going to lead us and He's going to direct us we follow the Lamb I have to tell you you don't have to worry about being cancelled because I remember another day when they were going to cancel the Lamb of God. And they put him on a cross until he quit breathing. And they put him behind a, a stone in a tomb and he was canceled out. But you know how it worked out, don't you? <laughs> the tabernacle God can't be held down by a stone. God gets back up and we follow him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, the preacher is in the house. (laughs) Hallelujah. You know, it occurs to me that from from the upper perspective, God looking down at the earth and us looking up from the dirt, God sees things a little different. The narrative doesn't look like it does to us. You know what? Uh, the world says, oh, this is a hard time. It's dark. And and, and the heaven goes, look at that church start shining. The, the light was made for the darkness. Look, look, the church is shining. And, and you know what? The, the world says, well, let's turn up the fire of persecution. We're going to shut those churches down. We're going to shut them up. But God looks down and says, huh, fire? Well, look at that fire burning in the belly of a revived church. You can't get near a consuming fire, God, and not come out with a little fire on you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Jesus is alive and well. The, the, the devil couldn't trip him. The religious couldn't shut him up. The cross couldn't stop him. And a grave couldn't hold him. Yeah. The dark couldn't overpower him, and it can't overpower us. Jesus is alive and well, walking in the midst of the church, still transforming lives. And if you don't believe that's true, look at me, and you'll see it was truth. Jesus is alive and well, and if you don't think uh, if you don't think that you're going to be bold enough bold enough to say it, you get in His presence a little while. He, you get in His presence, He'll do it. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Okay, praise God. If you have your Bible with you, we're going to be in the Gospel of John, chapter nine. And the Lord told me the scripture, and I told him, I can't use that one, Jesus. I can't use that scripture. And we had this conversation several times until he convinced me he was right. <laughs> uh, the the the. My issue was I'd heard a really good message from the scripture not too long ago in this house. But I, was, I prayed until I was convinced the Lord had something to say to us from this, from this scripture. Uh, let's pray this morning. Father, we come to you and we ask you to open our eyes to see wonders out of your word. Lord, reveal yourself to us indeed. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I, I want to set the scene for you for just a moment. By this time in the Gospel of John, Jesus has been going around Jerusalem, around the nation of Israel, doing wonders, uh, attracting multitudes who come to hear him preach and stay to eat the fish. Uh, He's making priests and Pharisees really uncomfortable. And the reason is, is, he's saying stuff. He's saying stuff like, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. Or, or this one, yeah. you know neither me nor the Father. Yeah. If you had known me, you would know my Father. Yeah. Yeah. And this one, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, you will realize that I am he for whom you yeah. look and that I do nothing of myself, of my own accord and my own authority, but I say exactly what the Father has taught me. So he makes them really mad. And by the end of uh, John chapter 8, there are men standing in the temple court with rocks in their hands ready to stone Jesus. And Jesus walks right through them, and he goes on his way. But he's made a lot of people mad. They uh, They just couldn't fathom that God would come to town and he would not think like them, and he would not act like them. Uh, They were so sure they had the beat on who God was and what God wanted to do that they missed the time of their visitation, and they met God with rocks in their hands. You see, God was walking into town in sandals, and they didn't expect that. He was doing miracles of healings and wonders, and they should have recognized him, but they didn't. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, laid aside the glory he shared in heaven with the Father, put on the flesh, he tabernacled, and he walked in the dirt with us. Jesus, the Son of God, does wonders. And everywhere he walks is ground zero for the kingdom of God to break out. If Jesus walks in, you better believe everything Jesus was walked into the room. If he walked in, the healer walked into the room. The deliverer walked into the room. The peace walked into the room. The glory walked in when he walked in. But Jesus, the Son of Man, demonstrated the kind of life he wants us to live. A life that was so connected to the Father that he could afford to be responsive to God instead of reactive to the circumstances he was in. And I just want to, uh, to, to, to uh, give you this clue that I found out in my life. If you want to know what God is saying and doing, look at Jesus. Get out of the book. There's some red words in there. If you want to know what God's saying, look at your red words. Look at Jesus. A- a- and uh, Jesus is going around. They're, these men are mad because God wasn't playing by the rules. These are men are mad because Jesus come in, and he isn't staying in the lines when he colors. He just does whatever he wants to do. And they couldn't, they couldn't abide that. They didn't expect it. If, but if you've walked with the Lord very long at all, I think you figured out he still doesn't color inside the lines. He still doesn't do things the way that I would want him to do them. When I come to him, actually, in my prayer closet, and I give him my agenda, (laughs) when I walk in and I say, God, I need you to do this, and this is the way you need to do it, you know what? He laughs a little bit because he's a God who's not going to follow my list. He's not going to follow my agenda, and I'm kind of glad of that. If you have a Jesus that can't surprise you, you need to get your Bible back out because you may not have the real one. He doesn't stay in the lines. So these men, at the end of John chapter 8, have stones in their hands and they're ready to cancel Jesus. And that's where we pick up the the narrative in John chapter 9. I'm starting in verse 1, I'm in the Amplified Version. As he, Jesus, passed along, he noticed a man who was blind from his birth. And I want you to think about that moment this man had never seen a blue sky. He had never known what a green tree looked like. He heard the sound of children laughing, but he had never seen their smiles. He had no idea what that looked like. He, he had felt the warmth of the sun, but he had no idea what the word bright mean, means. He didn't. He couldn't understand it because he was living life in the dark. He's a man who is living on the fringes of life, but not able to pu- fully participate And what the life everyone else was having, hearing and not understanding, feeling and touching, but unable to see the paths on which he walked. He he was a man on the fringes in the world but not perceiving it, unable to fully participate in the normalcy of life. And this day in John chapter 9, he is doing exactly what he has done every day for a long time. He is making his way. He's filling along the walls. He's counting his steps because he knows he has to stop and make sure there's no traffic before he goes on. He's living his life the way he always has had to do it to get to a place where he can sit down beside the road and beg alms, put out his beggar's coat, and let people throw coins on it so he can live. He's on the fringe and the great thing, I, I, the thing I, that struck me about this passage is he doesn't need, know Jesus is coming. He's not lifting up any faith. He's not crying out, Jesus. Help. He doesn't know Jesus is there. He's blind. He can't see. His disability had disqualified him. His dysfunction left him on the sidelines and he didn't know it, even know enough to call out on the Lord because he couldn't see him coming. But, but the great thing about this is he didn't have to because Jesus noticed him because Jesus saw him because this man's problem didn't fall off of God's radar you see Jesus sees the man this is the God initiated encounter and if you think about that it's an unstoppable savior meeting an impossible situation who do you think going to win this is the light of the world meeting a man sitting in the dark what do you think the outcome's going to be the kingdom of heaven is about to break in on his darkness right here. Let's read on. And as he passed along, he noticed a man blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who's sinned, this man or his parents that he should be born blind? They're looking for the why. Do you know God doesn't, is not looking for your why? If you're in a mess, he's looking at your what's next. Jesus answered, It was not that this man or his parents sinned, but he was born blind in order that the workings of God should be manifested in him. We must work the works of him who sent me and be busy with his business while it is daylight because night is coming on when no man can work. Now, shouldn't that be the motto of the church today? We must work the works of him who sent Jesus. We must work the works because the night's coming on. We, got, we only got a little space of time to do our work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the world's life light. And when he had said this, he spat on the ground, and he made clay or mud with his saliva, and he spread it, as an ointment on the man's eyes. And here is God, Jesus, the God-man. A- a- and what's he doing but getting down in the man's dirt with him? This man is no stranger to dirt. He knows dirt. He's sat on dirt for years. He's felt the dirt for years. Uh, the dirt's familiar. The dirt's his circumstances. He finds him in. This man lived in it, but Jesus got down in it on purpose. He's going low, and he's going slow. And Jesus got down and he put something of himself into the circumstances the man found himself in. And he said to him, verse 7, Jesus said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. And I'm going to stop there just for a moment. Because this is Jesus 100% doing it not the way I want him to do it. This is Jesus coloring outside the lines. You know, he's God and he could have and the miracle would have happened. He could have spoke the word, and this morning we would have been talking about the power of the word of God. We are anyway, but we've been talking about the power of the word. He could have just put his hands on the man's eyes. And you know what? We'd have been talking about the hands of Jesus this morning, and we can talk about the hands of Jesus, and we can, we can get happy on that. But instead, Jesus gets down into the dirt, puts something of himself in it, and rubs it on the man's eyes. And right now, pastors probably get nervous because I'm supposed to be preaching about bold. But we're almost there. We're almost there, I promise. Jesus puts mud on this man's eyes, and the man has to make a choice. The man could sit, keep sitting there in his dirt, and things would go on like they always had. Maybe he can flick some of that stuff off once it dried. And he could have sat there, and life would have went on. And it would have been the expected outcome for him. It would have been what everybody expected to happen in his life, a blind man sitting beside the road. You know, that dirt was easy. That dirt was comfortable. That dirt was uh, something he could deal with. Uh, but that man could t- do the, have the other choice. The man could raise, raise himself up. He could get up out of the dirt. He could shake that dust off his clothes. And he could start through town. Now there's a price to that. He's going through the town. And every step he takes. You know what he is? A blind man with mud on his face. Jesus talked to him. He's a blind man. Jesus puts mud on him. He's a blind man with mud. He walks through the town. And he's a blind man with mud. Filling his way through the town. And every step I have to believe that the devil was saying... You look stupid. this is foolish, ain't nothing gonna happen. Well you you know what? You're not getting any more arms. they're gonna make jokes out of you. You're the joke today. But the man walked through the town one bold step. At a time when it didn't make any sense to go to the pool, when it didn't make any sense, he took one step at a time on the way to the pool. And when he turned the corner and he could hear the water sloshing, he could hear the water coming into the pool. I believe it started drowning out the sound of the devil's intimidation. even started drowning out his own doubts as he walked toward the pool so that when he got there all he could hear was the sound of some running water as he got near the pool Jesus said go wash in the pool Siloam which means sent so he went and he washed and he came back seeing and we can stop right there and we've had church we've had church if we stop right there but the Bible doesn't that word that is translated sent in your Bible is a Greek word. And you'll have to pardon me because this is a hillbilly from Kentucky speaking Greek right now. The Greek word is apostello, meaning to send one into an appointed place. Yeah. It's like when God sent Jesus forth. It's like when Jesus sent the disciples yeah. forth. It's ascending forth. Someone, a messenger, has a message to carry, and he's sent out to carry it. And that's just what the man does. He goes, and he's in the place that he was sent to go to, and he comes back with a message. He comes back, and everybody's saying, well, look at that man looking at everything like he's never seen a tree before. Look at that man go. That looks like that blind man. Oh, no, that couldn't be that blind man. He had mud on his face. This guy's been washed clean. He won't have any mud on his face. And he thoughts and he says, no, you don't understand. It's me. It's me. Oh and there was this man. There was this man called Jesus. And he put mud on my face. And he told me to wash in this polis alone. And I came back seeing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He begins testifying. It's me. Jesus made the mud. It's me. So they take him to that same religious crowd that was ready to stone Jesus. They take him in there, and they say, what happened? And he said, oh, there was this man called Jesus. <laughs> there was this man called Jesus. And those, those men were gnashing their teeth. They were mad. No, 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 tell us what he really did. Well, there was this man named Jesus, and he made some mud, and he told me to wash it. now I can see. And they said, this can't be true. Go get his mommy. Go get his daddy. <laughs> and they come in and they say, that's my boy. And he was blind. I'm not going to tell you what happened. That's going to be on him. Because they know. They know what's coming. That's going to be on him. Let him tell you. And he stands there in a room he was disqualified from being in. He stood there among men who were, who were had spent Decades studying theology, men who were experts in the Torah, men who who were the experts of the day, and he was disqualified. His dysfunction had counted him out. It was the first time he ever saw the room, and it was the last time he would ever see the room because they're about to kick him out. But he stands there and he says, Oh, he says, You know what? I can't fight your theology, but I've got a testimony. I've got a testimony. This one thing I know, I was blind, and now I see. That is the boldness. That is what Jesus is commissioning you to do. Take your testimony and shine, Jesus. Let the glory shine through you. Hallelujah. He didn't have a seminary degree, but he had a testimony. <laughs> And I don't know about you, but I identify with this man. I know what it's like to sit on the fringes of life and feel like you can't participate. I don't know if you know my testimony, but I was locked away in the dark dungeon of depression. I couldn't see any hope. I couldn't see a way out. I didn't even have enough faith to lift up the name Jesus when that place Oh, but he took notice of me. I didn't go under his radar. He came and he put himself in my depression and in my circumstances. And and he said, now wash. And I picked up the word and I started washing. And it didn't happen the way I wanted. It didn't happen that way. But day after day, month after month, year after year, he healed me through his word. Hallelujah! 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 I've got a full pastor Mike. I'll probably throw some more. <laughs> I was disqualified by my dysfunction. I was a hot mess, waiting for somewhere to happen. But Jesus got in my dirt. <laughs> he got in my dirt. I was the one who was distressed and disjointed, rejected and broken by divorce, bleeding from my heart. I had no idea how I was going to keep going. How was they going to feed them two boys? How was they going to raise them up? I didn't know how to make a man out of them. What was I going to do? I didn't have any vision. I didn't have any hope for a future. I didn't know what to do. But you know what did happen? My ex-husband got up and walked out of my kitchen door, and Jesus walked in. And he sat down at my table, and he never got up. He's still with me today. Jesus walked down in my dirt. He got down in my dirt, and I started washing my eyes in my prayer closet. And he'd walk in. He didn't do this and heal my emotions. But he did pour out his love on me over and over and over till he healed me. I was sitting in a hospital bed. My job there's no way I could do it with a broken leg and a broken arm. How would I feed my boys? Jesus walked in, that's how. I stood at the graveside of somebody I couldn't bear to let go of and I thought, how can I keep going? Jesus walked in, that's the answer. Jesus walked in. Jesus put himself in my dirt. That's my testimony. I can't back down. I won't back down. Maybe I can't sit at the table with learning men and women. I've met some great women of God the last few years. But you know what? I I don't have to earn my place at the table. All I have to have is this testimony. This testimony. Jesus is my healer. Jesus with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Church, saints of God, it's time for us to get our eyes back on the Lord. To lay down the distractions of the age. Our distractions are our distractions. The Lord is bidding this, this, us this morning, will you wash in Siloam again? Will you decide, I may not have the degree and I may not have my theology, that I may not be, be able to argue and do apologetics. Oh, but nobody can take away your testimony. Nobody can fight what Jesus did in you. Remember the dirt you were sitting in before Jesus came by. Remember when you were a drunkard or an addict or a thief or depressed or broken or a gossip or wasting your life on things that didn't matter, breaking the heart of God. It's time to get out your bold testimony and declare it a little while. Did Jesus break chains in your life? Come to Siloam and be commissioned. Go tell somebody how the Lord set you free. They might find fault with your theology. I've got a little fellow in my life right now who's just wanting to talk theology with me. He don't know who he's talking to. But more than that, I've already had Jesus. And nobody can convince me of anything different. I've already had known Jesus. Nothing else is going to matter. Come to Salome and be commissioned. Go tell somebody how the Lord has set you free. And if you don't feel like it and you don't feel like you can and you don't feel like you're bold enough, wash your face a little while. Wash your face in your prayer closet. Get your testimony out and get ready to share it. Did Jesus set you free from a habit that was going to kill you? Come to Salome. You are commissioned this morning to tell how Jesus rescued you. Did he come into your dark place in your life And shine brighter than the sun Come on to Salome And wash your face And get ready to speak When you thought life couldn't continue Come to Salome You are sent out To publish the good news You are sent with a testimony Hallelujah Musicians could you come back up as they're coming I want to ask you today maybe you're in here today and you have not yet made it to Salome maybe your life is still a dark place maybe you know that you've been on the fringes and there has to be more to life than what you're living life has to be better than this I remember saying that myself Maybe it feels like people all around you, they're getting blessed and they're going on with life and they're, they're enjoying their life, but you're in the dark. You're the one sitting and you don't know the way out. Uh, maybe you're the one who's battling depression this morning, trying to fill up an empty place inside of you with any distraction you can find. And you're starting to realize as long as you chase the wind and as hard as you chase it, you're never going to catch it. I quit chasing the wind because the breath of God the wind of God the Holy Spirit caught me stop chasing the wind maybe you're in here and you're battling some addiction that has you bound maybe it's nobody knows but you you and Jesus maybe it's a pill, maybe it's a bottle maybe it's a website when everybody else is in bed and you just can't pull yourself away from it You're not strong enough. Nobody else knows but you. You're in the dirt, and you can't get free yourself. I'm here to tell you this morning, you did not slide under the radar of God. Jesus has noticed you, and he has come to you right here, right now, and he got down in the dirt with you, and he's not saying, Why are you doing that? You know better. He's just here to give you what's next. He settled himself in your dirt. And maybe you feel it, I don't know about you. <laughs> when I came to the Lord, I didn't know everything. I knew very little. I was a, a teenage girl in Eastern Kentucky. And I knew thus one thing, that that preacher was saying, do you want Jesus? And I felt like if I couldn't get to that altar, my heart was gonna beat out of my chest. I thought I was gonna die in that room. And maybe you feel that. Maybe you feel the tug of God on you. That's Jesus saying, I love you. And I want you to live and live a good life and enjoy your life. I want better things for you than you want for yourself. So I'm going to ask you today, every eye closed in the room, I'm not going to embarrass you and you can trust me on that this is a holy moment between you and Jesus the Lord is waiting he's in your dirt and his eyes are on you I'm going to ask you to be just a little bit bold this morning I'm not going to embarrass you I promise if that's you I'm talking about if you're the one who's struggling if you're the one who needs to wash your eyes and the pool is alone if it is you I'm going to ask you to slip your hand up in the air you don't even have to leave it it up you can just slip it up and that'll be enough is there anybody in the room that says, I need Jesus in my life? Hallelujah. I see your hand, sis. Church, I want to ask you to pray. We're all going to pray together. And we're going to pray this prayer that set, that set all of us free. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And your word says that if we will believe in our heart that Jesus died for our sins and rose again the third day, we will be saved. Lord, we ask you to forgive our sins this morning. We ask you, come into our heart, Lord, and be Lord. We cannot do this ourselves. We need you, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Can you can you give a, the Lord a hand clap of praise for the for the one who was praying with us this morning? Hallelujah! 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 Now, now I want to ask you. Maybe you have a relationship with Jesus and you're feeling a little dusty. <laughs> maybe you're just saying, "Huh, I'd like to get in that water again. I, I think I need another drink. He's put a well inside of you." He said that the Holy Spirit would be in you, a well of living water. He's put a well in you. If it's you, and I don't know if we're allowed to do this, but if it's you, and you want to get in the water a little bit, won't you come up here and start worshiping Him as the worship team applies for us? Just Oh, come on, stand with us in worship. Amen. Your grace has found me just as I am, empty-handed but alive in Your hands. That's it, church. Let's worship Him. Sing us.